Welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. And I just want to uh, apologize to my listeners for the delay in my podcast. I usually record on Mondays, Monday evenings, and then drop it for Tuesdays. Uh, But with Memorial Day, I, I just wasn't comfortable recording a podcast on such a solemn day. So you get me a day late, and uh, I hope uh, you enjoy it just as much as if you had heard this one earlier. So with that said, let's just go to the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization. Both wrapped up their meetings this past weekend. And let's take a look at the World Economic Forum. From all my reports is that it was a very, very down meeting of the self-anointed masters of the universe. And they were all dour from all. They were concerned about globalism being dead and what's the future of globalism, which we all should be quite happy with. And then you had Henry Kissinger come out and say that Ukraine should settle and give up some of its land in order to settle, which didn't help because you have to understand this battle that's going on in Europe is between the globalists and Russia. So again, they were not quite happy to see uh, Henry Kissinger say that essentially Ukraine should sue for peace. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch. <laughs> and, and I guess they were extremely depressed there. And I guess they needed something or somebody to said, hey, guys, keep your chin up. So what they did is they had a seminar and they, they rolled out Tom Friedman. And Tom Friedman is a journalist. I think he's from the New York Times. And he hates Donald Trump. So they probably thought, and again, you got to remember, these are not bright people. They're self-anointed, and they have a lot of money, but they're not bright people. So anyway, to make a long story short, they rolled out Tom Friedman. He's a journalist. He's a Trump-hating journalist. So they figure maybe they'll get some uh, benefit by talking to a Trump hating journalists. So let's go to this clip and uh, then we'll discuss because there's some really interesting things that Friedman says, and I'm not sure they're going to invite Friedman back. As much as they probably won't invite Henry Kissinger back, I'm not sure they're going to invite Friedman back after listening to this uh, clip that I'm going to play you. So let's go to it and then we'll come back and discuss. We are here to talk about something uh, that Ray Dalio subscribes to, which is that globalization is dead. You know, we've heard this from Ray. We've heard it from a number of business leaders. You know, globalization has been crumpled up and thrown into the bin. Uh, Is it a little early to be dancing on the grave of globalization? Is globalization over? Not my globalization, that's for sure. Trade may be down, it may be up, I have no idea. I don't follow those statistics. I'm not an economics guy. I'm actually right about power, foreign affairs. That's where I come from. And for me, globalization is not over, in the least. My view of globalization, and again, it gets to this idea that I'm some techno-utopian. Globalization, it's incredibly authoritarian, where China uses a globalization system to impose its order you know, on its society. I, th- I just think this is hilarious. Freeman just points out what globalization is all about and what it can do. Now, prior to uh, his comments on China, he said, oh, there's some good things. You know, people have, uh, everybody has cell phones. And these are minor things. And I wouldn't even ascribe them to globalization. 
And Friedman just, uh, Friedman just comes out and says, hey, look, I'm just a journalist. I don't know much. I'm not an economist. And he, he's kind of trying to equate globalization with trade, which is not what it is. But what he does point out is what it can create, authoritarianism. And he directly calls out China on this. And quite frankly, he should have also added Canada to this. Because with what Trudeau did to his truckers, Trudeau had gone to such an extreme calling on the Emergency War Powers Act to go against some truckers in his own country. He should have, he should have mentioned that too. All I can say is maybe his uh, hotel suite was next door to Trudeau's, if Trudeau was there. Who knows? But he clearly he has pointed out what globalism is all about. It's not about the individual. Again, as I have always mentioned, the nation state takes a backseat to corporations and a small number of elites that will control the world and control you. But Friedman talked about what you're not supposed to talk about. <laughs> I just think this is hilarious. Um, you know, they mentioned Ray Dalio. Uh, Ray Dalio is a hedge fund manager. And I guess a, couple, uh, a week or two before the, uh, the meeting, is he came out and said, ah, globalization is dead. And then there was the head of BlackRock, which is an, another huge asset uh, firm. Larry Fink came out and said uh, Russia has called the demise of uh, caused the demise of globalization. So now the World Economic Forum is in a tizzy because all they listen to is people with money. And believe you me, Fink is no friend of yours. Dalio is no friend of yours. All they do and what they say is all about them and what they can make money on. They don't care about you. They just don't think they can make money on globalization anymore. So anyway, our friends in Davos are, 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 have been up in a tizzy. And Friedman comes in and just <laughs> throws, throws gasoline on the fire of their demise, their thoughts of demise. Friedman comes in, throws gasoline on the fire. I think it's hilarious. So then the moderator tries to throw Friedman a bone and say, listen, is there anything you can give us? Is there anything optimistic that you can give us moving ahead? And again, I don't think that they liked Friedman's answer. Uh, one of the things with these globalists is that Russia, this Russia-Ukraine war has thrown a wrench into everything that they stand for. In his answer, he exposes the globalists as being part of the battle line here. He says that, at least in part, this is a battle of globalism versus Russia. Now, you have to understand, and again, I'm not supporting Russia, but the nation state has to take a backseat to them. And Friedman describes the nation state and what he's trying to do. Well, you know what? Let's just go to the clip. Let me play it and then we'll come back and discuss. But is there a way to restore some of that optimism now in what looks like a really dark world where we're facing, you know, food shortage, we're facing fuel shortage, we're facing a conflict in Europe, the like of which hasn't been seen in decades? Our olive shortages would burst right through. Um, Putin would take Crimea. Um, uh, and then he would make this move toward, you know, Kiev and then get beaten back, you know, in, in part by the globalization system. But to me, that's the system now. It's the interaction between what's really old and this new thing. You know, one thing I do want to point out is that the moderator makes a remark about uh, food and fuel shortages. And you have to understand is that these shortages was caused by them. In Europe and Africa, at least, it's caused by the sanctions. It's caused by mismanagement. So they've caused this. Now, again, 
Russia can take some blame in this, but they're part of the blame too. So this deep, dark time is a result of globalization, as well as Russia. So what Freeman does is he, Freeman apparently has this thing, it's called uh, olive tree urges. And that's the nation state, the family, anything that ties you in a community. Freeman calls it tribes. So anything that is tied to a community, a state, democracy, is at odds with globalization. So he threw him a bone. The only downside is he spoke about it. These are things that you're not supposed to speak about if you're a globalist. And Friedman talks about it. So this is why I think it's hilarious. Now, additionally, I want to go to another clip, and this is from the prime minister of Germany. And it has to do with how they must beat Russia, how they must do everything to beat Russia. They confirm it's about them and the nation state. Nation states are not allowed to have these olive tree urges. And what the West and what these globalists don't understand is that there is a history of Ukraine and Russia that goes way back there. There's complex nuances that affect things, that affect a nation's decision to go to war or not. And these globalists, they, they don't care because the world to them started 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Uh, everything outside, oh, these are just peasant people. These are the unwashed people. We don't care whether they have issues over. Their whole concept of nation states are just old and dirty. We're new. We're going to come in and wipe that out. And this is why they're worried about another country going to war against another country. I'm not saying it should be done. But again, it goes back to nation states are secondary to us. You don't go to war unless we say so. So let me go to this clip. And it's the prime minister of Jersey addressing our Davos friends. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. A system that subjects power to the law, that bans the use of force as an instrument of politics, and that has, in the past decades, guaranteed us freedom, security, and prosperity. Our goal is therefore crystal clear. We cannot allow Putin to win his war, and I firmly believe that he will not win it. And that was Olaf Scholz, the Prime Minister of Germany. And again, I just want to reiterate that this is just a guise to undermine nation states. Because with nation states, you have to protect your borders, and you protect them with an army, and you protect them with the military. They don't want that. Nation states are not allowed to exist. It's going to be them. They're the ones that are going to decide what happens. And I find it ironic. They're saying Russia is not allowed to wage war. Russia's old school. But they're allowed to wage war on the individual. And again, I constantly go back to Trudeau. But Trudeau's the poster boy for these globalists. And again, take a look at what Trudeau did to crush the individual. And again, you take a look at what the globalists did to Zelensky, leading him on and essentially creating this war. You misled Zelensky. You led Zelensky to believe that that Ukraine would join NATO. And when this war could have been avoided, you gave Russia the air and you forced them into a position to wage war. And it's not just me. Listen to Henry Kissinger, 
These globalists have no concept of history. They have no concept of the nuance that has gone on between Ukraine and Russia over the years. And this whole thing could have been avoided. So the famine, the lack of energy, blame it on yourself. And what I find dangerous is that these globalists are willing to go against Russia at all costs. They're the ones that want to create World War III because they know if Russia gets anything out of this, they're finished. I think they already know they're finished, but if Russia gets anything out of this, it's the last nail in the coffin for them. And the sad thing is it, it, it took a war between Russia and Ukraine to start to kill off the globalists. Now, I think they're going to resurrect themselves in some other fashion. I think that they realize they, they can't have it this way, but they're going to look to control humanity through transhumanism. They're already talking about it. If you go to these, uh, the, the World Economic Forum, you also hear these transhumanists talk, but they're going to connect people to artificial intelligence and everybody will be as smart as everybody else and you won't have to worry about everything. And But we're the ones that are going to be in control of what you listen to and, and what the artificial intelligence is. How God is dead. How AI is the God of the future. This is where, this is their next step with the World Economic Forum. So they're going to push for that because look, it's all about dominating you. It's not in the interest of the, the world. They package this in a way that, oh yeah, it's good for the world if you listen to us. No, they just want to dominate the individual. So we shall see. Okay, let's switch to the World Health Organization. And uh, the World Health Assembly met this past weekend also, and one of the things they were going to consider was a resolution to allow the head of the World Health Organization, Tedros, to declare a health emergency in the United States. Essentially, this was going to hand over our sovereignty to an international organization. And again, I think it was two or three episodes ago I had alerted people to this. And from what the reports I'm getting is that they decided to kick the can down the road. And that's what I'm hearing right now is that they decided to kick the can down the road. And a lot of it had to do with the American people rising up and alerting their elected officials to this. Now, you have to understand, as I said before, this was, this was being pushed by the Biden administration. The Biden administration was coming in and offering this resolution to the World Health Assembly to take up and pass. So again, the Biden administration is working against your sovereignty. They want you to be a person of the world instead of an American. So as I said, apparently they're kicking the can down the road, but we have to keep our eyes on the WHO. We have to make sure this does not rear its head. And ultimately, I think the only answer for the United States is to get out of the WHO. Now, it's not going to happen under Biden. It's going to have to have to uh, happen under our next president. But we cannot put our people through this, that we have to worry about handing our sovereignty over to some international bureaucratic organization. And they were trying to sneak this by them. They kept this under the, the radar screen for months now. But we should not have to 
worry about our government doing this to us. And the only answer is to get our country out of the WHO. And that can only be done with another president. So with that said, apparently it's not going through. They've kicked the can down the road. And you should be quite happy about this. A lot of Americans spoke up about this. So we shall see. Okay, let's go back down to Texas where those poor children and teachers were massacred by some teenage nut. And look, there's a number of issues that have to be addressed. We need more information from law enforcement. We need more information from local government. Exactly what happened and when it happened and why decisions were made. And if there were mistakes made, people have to be held accountable. You want people in Uvalde to have confidence in their government? Give them the truth. Because right now there's a sense that the American people and the, and the people of that fine town aren't getting the truth or they're getting half-truths. And that's not what our expectation is. So we need more information from local government on the response. And again, if people need to be held accountable, make them accountable. It's not time for playing politics. It's not time for trying to protect people because they got you a job or whatever. It's time to be held accountable down there. That's all we ask. That's all we want. Just want the truth. That's all we want from our government, the truth. Whether it's the federal government, whether it's the local government, we just want the truth. And there's a sense that we're not getting it from law enforcement there, from local law enforcement. And then Biden goes down there this weekend. And he's just a pathetic character. He's just a weak, frail man. And I I don't know why he went down there. And then he makes these crazy comments that we have to control 9mm guns and we have to control certain type of bullets. It's just convoluted what he was talking about. And I just want to go to a clip, and this is from uh, Kamala Harris. Again, this, this is what you get from the far left. There's no rational... Thinking. It's all about a shrill response to the moment at hand. So let me play a clip from uh, Harris and uh, then we'll come back and discuss. I will say, as I've said countless times, we are not sitting around waiting to figure out what the solution looks like. You know, we're not looking for a vaccine. We know what works on this. It includes let's have an assault weapons ban. You know what an assault weapon is? You know how an assault weapon was designed? It was designed for a specific purpose, to kill a lot of human beings quickly. An assault weapon is a weapon of war. Oh my gosh, she's all over the place on this. Now, we have to understand that the firearms that are legal to purchase are not military weapons. They're not. They're semi-automatic weapons. So I think Kamala is either trying to confuse everybody or she's confused herself that where these so-called weapons of war are not sold in the market today. These are all semi-automatic weapons. These semi-automatic weapons are not weapons of war. And I think I mentioned in my last episode 
that when the Second Amendment was adopted, American citizens were allowed to arm themselves with weapons of war. The musket. Military had muskets. The Second Amendment allowed people to have muskets. They were allowed to have weapons of war. In today's world, we're not allowed to have weapons of war. These semi-automatic weapons are not weapons of war. So this whole convoluted issue, you know, but I'm not surprised. I don't think she knows what a, an assault weapon is. But we have to have a, a, a thorough, smart response with this. And these knee-jerk reactions and these uh, shrill reactions are not going to protect our kids. Now, Trump, I think it was either at the NRA or his speech in Wyoming, gave us a good, solid, fundamental answer. Let's protect the schools. Let's make parents responsible for their children. I think I said in my last episode, 70% of these school shootings are from kids 18 years old and younger. And I think the average age is 16 years old. So let's start focusing on making our schools more secure, making parents more responsible for their kids before we start challenging the Second Amendment, which is never going to happen. And did you hear the mother of the murderer? She said, well, my son had his reasons. What the heck is that supposed to mean? And you're telling me this is a responsible parent? We have taught our people not to be responsible for their actions. And we have to start doing that. We have to have expectations that parents are going to parent their kids and abdicating your responsibility as a parent is unacceptable. And this goes through all socioeconomic levels. It's just not poor people that abdicate responsibility for the kid. It goes through the middle class and it goes through wealthy people. Be responsible for your kids. That's what our expectation should be. Okay, I'm going to change channels a little bit here. And what I want to do is I want to play you a clip from the movie 1984. And it's the 2 plus 2 equals 5 scenes where uh, Winston is tortured by a state representative into towing the party line, towing the state line, where 2 plus 2 equals 5 if the state tells you so. So let me play the clip and uh, we'll come back and discuss. Do you remember writing in your diary that freedom is the freedom to say that two plus two make four? Yes. How many fingers am I holding up, Winston? Four. And if the state says this is not four, but five, then how many fingers? Four. It is switched off. Do you have a question? What is two plus two? Whatever the state says it is. So you heard the last line. Two plus two is whatever the state says it is. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to, I'm going to play you a clip from a advertisement from PricewaterhouseCoopers, which is an auditing firm, one of the big auditing firms. And let me play it, and then we'll come back and discuss. We're taught that one plus one equals two. Simple, 
right? But today's world isn't simple. So, what happens if we look at it from a new angle? But we need a new way to put it together. Creating new solutions for a new day. That's the new equation. So, one plus one doesn't really equal two anymore. According to Price Waterhouse, an auditing firm, a financial services firm, that numbers is what all they do. And this is the problem with woke culture. It's not about what's real. It's about what the state says. So big corporations like Price Waterhouse Coopers says that one plus one equals three. It's going to equal three. And this is just their subtle way of doing exactly what happened to us, what happened to Winston in 1984. And you just have to be alert for that. And again, this is what the problem with woke culture is, and this is ultimately what is going to be their demise. Because the reality is not what the state tells you or what big corporations tell you. And this is why the globalists are so dangerous. Because when you merge big corporations with a small group of people, and put them in power, reality will change. But as I said before, we won't let it. And we're winning. All right, let's switch to stocks before I go. The Dow Jones Industrial fell 220 points today. Today is May 31st, 2022, the last day of the month. So uh, it dropped 220 points or 0.7% to close out 32,939.6. The S&P dipped 0.6% to 4,132.18. And the NASDAQ composite eased 0.4% to 12,081.39. So both the Dow and the S&P finished the month of May. Little changed, while NASDAQ lost 2.1% for May. Okay, let's go to the economic calendar, and I'll point out a couple of uh, important items to me. And on Wednesday, we have job openings and job quits, as well as construction spending. And then on Thursday, we've got the ADP employment report. Um, We've got productivity revision. We have factory orders. And then we also have core capital goods orders revision. And then on Friday, we've got non-farm payrolls, the unemployment rate, the average hourly earnings, and the labor force participation rate, and the ISM service index. And uh, with that said, you have a good week, and I will talk to you on Saturday. Thanks for listening.